Welcome to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on all things real estate. I'm your host, Ben Shelley. Today, I'm lucky enough to be sitting with the two principals of Liberty Hudson, who teamed up to create a thriving business as they invest and build homes throughout the wider New Jersey area. Liberty Hudson primarily invests in one to four family residential homes. To date, they also manage properties and build homes as general contractors themselves under Liberty Hudson Construction. We now are fortunate to get to meet the principals of Liberty Hudson, Mr. Ryan Goldfarb and Mr. John Errico. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you both in studio today. Off the bat, it would be great to hear about some of your accumulated experiences, as well as some of the reasons why you got into real estate and how you got to where you are today. So let's jump right into it. Ryan, how about we start with you? Sure. So I am Ryan Goldfarb. I began my real estate investing journey several years ago. It was actually as I was finishing out my undergrad career at University of Maryland, go Terps. I started actually looking at turnkey investing opportunities out in Memphis, Tennessee, way back when. Uh, this was in late 2012, going into 2013. Uh, long story short, ended up securing my first investment out there with my brother. Um, we went in on something together as 50-50 partners, closed on a turnkey rental right around the time when I graduated, which was April or May of 2013. Gotcha. And you know, I knew that was the kind of thing that was never going to make me rich, never going to leave me broke, but I figured it'd be a good opportunity to get one under my belt. So we went through uh, went through that experience did what I wanted to do, got one under my belt. And, and, and since then, I've, I've dove into it a little bit further. So I know you said long story short, although we're here today to get the long story <laughs> as best we can. Before I go to John, I'm just curious. I know you talked about what the first project was, but what is it about real estate in general? that has, Was it since you were younger that you knew that you wanted to get into it? Or was it some experience maybe later as you got into college? It's actually something I've wanted to do since I was maybe 10, 11 years old. Uh, I always like to say it's from the moment I realized I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. And it's a true story for every Jewish male out there in the world today. Exactly. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in that here. Sorry, um, John. <laughs> Ryan, uh, please continue. <laughs> so yeah, I actually, I have, a, I have a vivid memory when I was a kid going to Pier Village, I want to say. Gotcha. Uh, it's a development in Long Branch, New Jersey, oceanfront kind of luxury development. I was maybe 12 years old at the time, something like that. I think it was right around when it had just opened up. And I remember going there for the first time and just being in awe of this brand new development right on the ocean in the middle of New Jersey on a place that was previously, you know, downtrodden remnants of decades and decades of, of neglect. And I just remember being fascinated by the fact that you could take something like that from a state of nothing or a state of despair and with a little planning with some resources and little bit of time, you can turn it into something that's a bustling, vibrant oceanfront community. And I think it's still standing today. And every time I go back there, I think about that same, like that same feeling of awe I had when I was probably preteen. This, experiencing is, a, this is for listeners out there. I think it's important. I mean, because there's a reason that everyone, you know, obviously money is a reason for a lot of people, but fundamentally, I think the back end uh, of what drives us to do what we do is a love of real estate, a love of shaping communities and opportunity to get your hands dirty with real substantive and, and productive work. Um, and I appreciate you sharing this, Ryan. We're going to sure. continue that way. But John, I want to I want to bring you in here. Now, John is is a real mystery to most of us. He, he's a brilliant individual. He's like a multi-layered milkshake. He's a 50,000 piece puzzle. He's in a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> 
We want to know who is John Errico and what makes him tick. So I got into real estate in um, maybe an unusual way. So I'm actually a, um, a lawyer by education and experience. I went to law school and I had no real particular interest in, in real estate in college or law school. Mm -hmm. I actually worked in law for a little bit and then I left that to do technology startups. So I ran um, a couple startups in the real estate space or at least a startup in the real estate space, and then a few others in related spaces. And I was living in Manhattan, uh, this is maybe four or five years ago, with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. We really wanted to, um, we didn't want to rent anymore, we wanted to buy our own place, and started looking in areas within commuting distance of midtown Manhattan. We settled on northern New Jersey just because of the cost and the relative distance to where uh, my wife was working at the time and bought a two-family. Uh, it was a foreclosure, so we had no no real conception of what it would be to live in a property that had been foreclosed on and had been abandoned. This is early 2014, so we, we immediately moved in because we were so excited, but we realized that you know the property basically didn't have a roof, uh, <laughs> didn't have electricity in uh, one of the floors, and um, didn't have a working bathroom. And so very quickly, we sort of were forced to learn a lot about home ownership. Um, we learned about renovating our place, um, all, kind of all the, the details that go into moving into somewhere that hasn't been lived in for a long time. We eventually started renting out the second floor, which was, um, it's a two-family house. We started renting out the second floor to tenants. That went really well. We eventually moved from the first floor to the basement and started renting out the whole property to tenants. And uh, we had a, originally we were paying in Manhattan something like almost three grand a month in rent and by living in this house living in the basement and renting out the two units that we were renting out we were essentially making um i think at least a grand a month above our carrying costs of the property so above the mortgage and taxes and insurance mm -hmm. so we had within a six month period of time like a four thousand dollar per month income shift um, which was transformative so we all of a sudden were able to start saving money start investing in other real estate we bought a second place and we've kind of been growing since then but um but so the genesis was maybe four years ago that we that I've I've been doing real estate and I've been doing real estate mm -hmm. full time for about two years. Well, what I love about that is it's it's a background of yourself, but you also worked in there some of that genius that that allowed you to be successful early on in the business. And there was cultural reasons why you moved out there too, right? I know you and your wife are both bilingual. Obviously, we know that Northern New Jersey has a big Hispanic population. There's a lot of Spanish spoken among other languages. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. It, it, so we. Where we moved from Manhattan is a city called Union City, which is actually the the most densely populated city in the country, I believe, um, if you assume that New York is one city and not just Manhattan. but So it's a city of, uh, I think it's about 50,000 people right on the other side of the Hudson River, and it's predominantly Hispanic, Latino population. So probably 95% of the population speaks Spanish uh, or grew up in a Spanish-speaking household. And my wife speaks Spanish basically fluently, had lived in Spain for a year. So we were drawn to that culturally. We looked at other places in New Jersey, uh, like Jersey City and um, some places in like Queens and the Bronx. But we, we like culturally Union City a lot, um, the food, the language, the culture. So that was a humongous draw for us. And um, it's funny, we when we moved to Union, the, the story that I always tell is that maybe the first week that we were living in Union City, um, we were the first people on our block that I think was not or is not of um, 
like Latino descent or heritage. So we were walking outside of our house and one of our neighbors stopped us and said, oh, you're going the wrong way. Koboken is that way, like the opposite direction. <laughs> no, um, no, you, you, you can't live here. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I, that, that same neighbor, I think, told me like, you know, we, we all get along here. We have, uh, you know, Colombians, um, Hondurans, Mexicans, Ecuadorians, and then Americans pointing to us. That so is like, well, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so. well, it's 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 kind of a beautiful thing. I mean, people don't realize sometimes, like Union City, for example, you know, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from Manhattan. I mean, it's right across the river. And the dichotomy between what you find right in Manhattan and the diversity, not just ethnic diversity, but lingual diversity that you find right across the water For in sure. Union City, et cetera, is quite profound. And so I guess, I, Ryan, I'm curious, what got the wheels turning about working together in this field? So we'd actually met, I want to say it was about three or four years ago. Um, I think we were both fairly new at this. Um, we had met through a real estate networking platform, Bigger Pockets. I'm sure many people have heard of that. And we originally connected because we were both introductory investors. John was a little more focused on rentals. I was a little more focused on flips. But we met for lunch actually in Union City. And we met on, I, I remember we went to a, I guess it would be classified as an authentic the Latin the American. Mirrors? I was think so, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a place. And back then you ate meat, I think. Right. Enlighten us, because there's a lot of inside there. The place with the mirrors. What is this place? Uh, I don't know exactly. I mean, it's a... Uh, I want to say it was on Bergen Line. It's or... definitely in Bergen Line and 15th, 16th, okay, something like that. that. It's right. like a, maybe a Honduran restaurant could be. I don't know. Okay. It's a... I remember I got, I got meat, I got rice, and I think maybe some plantains. Yep. It was good. Yep. This is, these are important details. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> leave no stone unturned. So, yeah, so that was, that was, I think, our first encounter. And then I think we just kind of kept in touch after that. I don't think we, it was probably, you know, we maybe saw each other like six months after that. I think we ran into each other at some meetups maybe. Could be. Um, I know you, yeah. did you have your meetup at that point? Not at that time, but I think maybe a year after I started doing that. Okay. I think you came to a few of the first yeah. ones too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious because obviously you guys have brought me to an extent, we like to joke. Uh, Ryan was very kind when we were off air. I said I work for them, and he said I work with them, which was very flattering, very exciting to hear. But I'm curious now, kind of seeing how successful you guys have been individually over the last couple of years, both in the buy, rehab, hold, and flip range of all kinds of properties, whether it be wholesale, traditional foreclosure, at market, what have you. I'm just curious, what is sort of the, this is a big question, sort of the secret sauce, method behind the madness for you guys when you're looking at these deals and, and maybe if you can bring in some of those background accumulated experiences, what is the way that you look at this? John, maybe we'll start with you here. That's a great question. And it's, um, it's hard to give a really succinct answer to that. Um, I, I guess I will preface my answer by saying that something that I see all the time in real estate investing among my peers and I run a meetup group in New Jersey, so I run people that come to my meetup group, and even in myself, is this idea of analysis paralysis. Um, so I think an, an obvious answer to your question is like, oh, well, I open up a spreadsheet and I run numbers and I do sort of, you know, underwriting kind of on my computer, and that's a component of of what I do, and I think we uh, we both do. But for me, um, if there are people listening to this that are just getting into real estate or are just thinking about investing or maybe are buying their first place, it's so important to just do it, um, you know, to, to not get sucked into the details of um, 
you know, the, the financial data that you might be seeing. I mean, just today I was talking to somebody about, you know, where are we in the economic cycle or like the, the real estate cycle? And, you know, maybe we're nearing at the top of the cycle, so maybe we should not invest at all. And I don't know exactly where we are in the cycle. It's certainly not the bottom of the cycle, but if you have that mentality, you're always going to find a reason not to invest. So not to not answer your question, but I just wanted to say that to begin with, how I actually invest is I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have primarily, as Ryan alluded to, mostly rentals. So what I would call buy and hold properties. So I, I buy properties that are distressed or in poor condition that need renovation, um, usually from, you know, not uh, not a traditional kind of sale technique. So I don't necessarily go on like the MLS and search for stuff, but I might find stuff for sale by owner or maybe from foreclosure, short sale, anything like that. I'm familiar with a lot of the numbers in North Jersey in terms of how much stuff rents for, how much I, I need to pay in maintenance costs, operating costs, taxes, insurance, whatever else. Um, and I'll, I will put that into a very basic spreadsheet and look at things. So I, I, the numbers that I care about are uh, cap rate, which we can go into at some point, mm-hmm. you know, cash on cash, and then just pure cash flow. And by looking at all those numbers, for me, I can get a sense of, is this an investment that I'm interested in? Is it not an investment that I'm interested in? If it's an area I don't know, I really want to go there, drive around the neighborhood, look at the streets. North New Jersey is very block by block. Ryan knows super well in Jersey City, that level of detail. And, and I know to an extent in Union City too, and other areas. But um, yeah, so my approach is trying to find stuff that is obviously distressed, using some very basic numbers, putting it into a spreadsheet, looking at some, some metrics, and then making a decision essentially from there. And I, it's funny you, you mentioned that, and we will get into sort of the back-end numbers in future episodes, uh, but I think the underlying skill here is a proactivity, this idea of jumping into the fire, understanding the metrics behind what you're doing, but having the confidence to take the bull by the horns. And I've seen firsthand John break into our own foreclosed properties going into through the windows and through the front doors. And so I think there's a combination of understanding this from the back-end and metric side and also just kind of going for it and and being confident that uh, you'll make some mistakes, but the net gain will be worth it. Ryan, what do you think? Before I dive into my answer, that reminded me of a a story from a few months ago. Um, Just real quick to give you a sense of how John operates. We were at one of our foreclosed properties trying to gain access to it for the first time. And I would say we probably spent about a good hour trying to break our way into the basement. And then once we got into the basement, John took a hammer and broke through the, the world's strongest a, solid core wood door. <laughs> and eventually he he broke a hole through that door that was large enough for him to get through so that he could then unscrew the the studs that were holding it in place on the other side. After the fact, we went back, uh, we went through the house, eventually exited. And at the end of it, we realized that the front door was wide open the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was there this morning, actually. Yeah. This, see, what that tells people is you guys are operators. Yeah. That's what you do. You know, you go in and you... you, you <laughs> well, that, that's a, I'm just imagining... I'm picturing that in my head right now, and it's too funny. Uh, but back to the essential question right. um, of... Not that that wasn't a wonderful sidetrack. Back to the essential question of the way you look at deals and how your accumulated experiences have affected that. What would you say? So the way I look at things high-level... Um, is to break it down into a few different categories. I think there are a few different ways that you can find deals and that you can make the numbers work and, and really drive returns. I would classify that as falling under into one of these four categories. It would be management, effective deal sourcing, financing, 
and construction. Um, I think you'll find that most people who are in the real estate space, particularly those who do this at scale and who do it well, will tend to have some level of expertise in at least one of those areas. And I'm talking like true expertise to where, you know, they, they've been a, a contractor for 30 years and really know the construction side, or they're super well connected on the financing end and have that on autopilot and they're able to get money at will and inexpensively or they're experts at marketing and they know how to find deals better than anyone. And, or, you know, they have a large management company and mm -hmm. are able to handle that thing, that stuff in house. So, so typically it falls under that umbrella or one of those four categories within that umbrella. And one thing that I think working with John has, has gotten me to realize is how much of it is really just tenacity, at least at the beginning. Um, there's a resourcefulness that is almost a necessity. There's a, the old adage that nothing's really a problem if you can throw enough money at it. Yeah. Um, but for a real estate investment, you know, that, that may be an option, but it's not always the optimal option. So, you know, whether it comes to whether, whether it's being resourceful in the sense of being able to fix things less expensively without, you know, compromising the longevity of that repair, or whether it's just using a space in a little bit more creative of a way that's going to get you the highest and best return for that investment. Um, I think those kinds of things go a long way. And I think it's really hard to learn those things without being boots on the ground and without being in it. Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great point. That's a super important point too, about how different there's a lot of creativity in real estate investing that may not be obvious from the outside. I think when people go into it, they they might have this opinion like I have to buy, you know, a turnkey property that will gross rents at a certain rate and that's how I'm going to do it. But pretty much every deal I think that I have done, and I think the same is true for you, Ryan, that every deal is unique and different. And the ways to make money on the deal are very unique to the deal. I mean, we've had conversations where we bought something that we thought it was going to be a long-term, I'm talking about myself, where I thought it was going to be a long-term rental play, just have a long-term tenant in there. And it turned out that it was great to do Airbnb in that particular property for some reason. Uh, I think you've had properties where you thought maybe you were going to uh, rent them out, or that might've been an option, then you ended up flipping them or even vice versa. Right. Part, of the, um, part of the skill is learning the suite of options that are available to you. And I'm still learning that too, about different ways to use properties and different ways to do deals. And I think that's, I think that's an evolution that you never quite reach the end of. Mm -hmm. I think per that's particularly applicable around here where you have not just markets that change town by town, street by street, but you have buildings that have been here f anywhere from since, you know, 150 years ago up through new construction and everything in between and anything that was built in, 1900 you can you can bet that at some point changes were made and even the two houses that are right next door to one another probably are a little different from each other when you look under the hood it's interesting because i can even speak from a very short experience working with you guys that when i came aboard i looked at things in a very linear fashion and i've appreciated the diversity of ways that you look at deals and we are running out of time here but before we go uh, in this introduction of the general partners of liberty hudson i would be interested to just hear from you guys maybe a last a bit of advice or a suggestion you would give to an upstart investor something you would say to somebody who was you five years ten years ago as a way to inspire them or maybe a guide to what they should do first to make it in the business john let's start with you yeah i mean i so my point would be what I what I said before, which is just to get started. And real estate investing is, I consider it an entrepreneurial endeavor and something that I 
think is very true about entrepreneurial endeavors is that they can be very lonely. Something that was great for me was discovering, Ryan mentioned before, a community online, Bigger Pockets. It's actually how we met. But even beyond that, um, just talking to people that are in real estate and do real estate is immense because I remember some very early conversations I had with people that were you know, real estate brokers were on real estate finance and just asking them even really simple questions like what is an FHA loan or, you know, how do I buy a house, which are not obvious things. I mean, I, I didn't know that information despite going to law school, basically. You know, I, I had no, really no conception. So I would say talk to people about it, ask questions. There are great resources online and in probably your local communities, friends, mentors, whatever you want to call it ask, talk about it, and just get started. I, that's, if I didn't, I almost was so ignorant. I, I knew so little at the beginning that I didn't know how daunting a challenge my first house would be. But if I had a sense of that risk, I never would have done it. So I'm very happy that I, I took the plunge. Ryan. Sure. First of all, thank you for putting us on the spot, Ben. That's what I live for. <laughs> so I will go in a little bit different of a direction, um, maybe something a little bit more tactical. Um, I remember one thing that I think it took me a little bit of time to get past when I was first beginning was, you know, I fell into the bucket of what John described before as paralysis by analysis. Um, and I think that that is certainly not unusual for would-be investors. One thing that I think helped me get past that was to really focus on one area or two areas of a particular city. In my case, it was Jersey City. And I'm not going to say that I was an expert on those by, you know, after just a few months, but I put forth all of my focus on those parts of town and those parts of that city specifically. Whereas previously I was distracted by every new town I was learning about or every new town I was exploring in North Jersey. And what I found was once I honed in on that one area, on those, those like two or three neighborhoods of that one town, that gave me the baseline level of understanding that I needed to do every subsequent deal that I've done since then. So I don't know that that would have happened without having put forth that degree of focus at the beginning. Uh, it took some discipline, especially when I just wanted more than anything to do my first deal in, in the area. But I think it was necessary. And I think that was the catalyst for a lot of things that happened thereafter. I know I appreciate this. I know the listeners appreciate it. And guys, thank you for your time and your expertise as always. And thank you for listening to the Brick by Brick podcast, where we take you from the ground up on all things real estate. We will continue to bring you the best and brightest the real estate world has to offer as we leave no stone unturned in helping you, the everyday investor. Thanks for listening.